Welcome back to Blowing Off Steam with Wesley Kettle. Today we're going to be talking about Jimmy Hoffa. Let's get into it. Please clap. Yes, so as I mentioned before, today we're going to be talking about Jimmy Hoffa. That's a famous murder case. And he's never been found. They don't know where he's buried. There's quite a few conspiracies, which we will get into later. But before we get into the conspiracies and whatnot, I just want to mention what happened the night he disappeared. Or, sorry, the day he disappeared. And what was happening. So, in the minutes after 2 p.m. on July 30th, 1975, former International Brotherhood of Teamsters Union President Jimmy Hoffa impatiently waited outside the Maccus Red Fox restaurant in Bloomfield Township, Michigan. He was there to meet a couple of mafia men, Anthony Tony Jack Giacalone from Detroit and New Jersey's Anthony Tony Pro Provenzano reportedly with the aim of mending frayed relationships with the Gia Cologne. At 2.15, Hoffa called his wife Josephine to complain he was being stood up, adding that he would return home by 4 p.m. to grill steaks for dinner. But Hoffa never made it back to dinner, and the following morning, his green Pontiac Grand Villa was found idle in the Marcus Red Fox parking lot. With the filing of a missing persons report that evening, the case was formally opened on what would become one of the country's most famous unsolved mysteries. Hoffa had been plotting his return to power when he vanished. Born in 1913 in Brazil, Indiana, James Riddle Hoffa received an early lesson about the hazards of unsafe working conditions when his coal miner father died of lung cancer in 1920. He organized his first strike while working for Kroger grocery stores in Detroit in the early 1930s, and within a few years, he was transforming the Teamsters into the most powerful union in the country. A hero to its rank-and-file members, Hoffa was a popular choice to take over as Teamsters president in 1957. However, he had forged close ties with an organized crime bosses while charting his path to power, connections that drew the scrutiny of Washington lawmakers and eventually Attorney General Robert Kennedy. After, after being convicted of jury tampering, fraud, and attempted bribery, the union leader began serving a 13-year prison sentence in 1967. Hoffa, who had passed his Teamsters presidents to Frank Fitzsimmons, received a presidential pardon from Richard Nixon in 1971 with the stipulation that he was to steer clear of union activity until 1930. However, Hoffa had no intention of waiting that long, and he was exploring ways to regain his leadership at the time he abruptly vanished. Three weeks after the search commenced, the FBI had a lead when police dogs discerned Hoffa's scent in the backseat of a Mercury Marquis Brougham. The car was owned by Joey Giacalone, the son of Anthony Giacalone, and had been borrowed by Hoffa protege Chucky O'Brien, who denied any involvement in the case. With the convening of a Detroit grand jury in September, a series of Teamsters officials and reputed mob bosses were called to testify. However, none offered any substantial information, often invoking the Fifth Amendment in lieu of answers. 
In early 1976, the FBI put out a report of its findings in what was known as the Hoffex Memo, the list of suspects including other tough guy names like Vito Billy Jack Giacolone and Salvador Sally Bugs Briguglio. Unfortunately, although investigators felt they were on the right path, they found no one willing or able to confirm that Hoffa's disappearance directly resulted from mob involvement. Yeah, those these Italian names are messing me up, man. I can't do it. In 1982, seven years after he was last seen outside the Machias Red Fox, Hoffa was declared legally dead. As the years progressed, numerous theories surfaced as to where Hoffa's remains could be found. In 1982, a mob hitman named Charles Allen told a congressional committee that the Union bigwig had been dismembered and left in the Florida Everglades. At the end of the decade, another hitman, Donald Tony the Greek Francos, suggested the enduringly popular notion that Hoffa was buried beneath the giant stadium in East Rutherford, New Jersey. Although the deaths of most chief suspects hampered further investigations, the cold case suddenly regained steam in 2001 when new DNA technology revealed that a hair found in the Mercury Marquis Broham was a match for Hoffa. The matter was referred to Oakland County Prosecutor's Office in Michigan, which returned the deflating news that there wasn't enough evidence to charge anyone. Three years later, another door opened with the release of a book titled I heard you paint houses, which is an alleged mob phrase used to gouge a person's willingness to kill someone. Written by lawyer Charles Brandt, the book presented an account of the case by a recently deceased mafia and Hoffa associate named Frank the Irishman Sheeran. According to Sheeran, Hoffa had made people nervous by threatening to expose behind-the-scenes Hoffa had made people nervous by threatening to expose the -the behind-the-scenes Teamster mob dealings that had transpired while he was locked up. Ordered to kill Hoffa by the powerful and secretive Pennsylvania boss, Russell Buffalino, Sheeran headed to the Marcus Red Fox with O'Brien and Bruguglio on that fateful day to tell Hoffa that the meeting spot had been moved. They drove to an empty house in northwest Detroit where Sheeran pumped two shots into his once-trusted friend. The confession prompted detectives to rip up the floorboards of the home, highlighted by Sheeran. They uncovered what appeared to be promising bloodstains, though lab analysis failed to match the samples to Hoffa. Thus began an unfulfilling trend in which properties were ransacked in the hopes of finding more clues, but if not the actual body of the missing man. A horse farm near Milford, a garage in Roseville, an empty lot in Oakland Township, were all torn up to reveal nothing. Another example of new evidence, quote-unquote, that pops up every few years, in 2015, the New York Post reported on a claim that Hoffa had been buried in a 55-gallon oil drum at a toxic dump site in northeastern New Jersey. Naturally, the source of the info, Mob and Teamsters insider Philip Brother Moscato, had died the year before. Now, I said we'd specifically get to the conspiracies, so a lot of people think that he's buried in Giant Stadium, or under Giant Stadium, specifically the end zone. So, that's ridiculous. Like, that that doesn't make sense whatsoever. 
one, they'd be able to, like, see if the dirt was dug up and whether or not, like, it would match bones or they'd find something at least. So he's not buried in the end zone of Giant Stadium. I just want to get that one out of the way. Our next one is he was buried in the Everglades after he was dismembered. I think, personally, that is the best conspiracy theory on where he's buried because it's far away from New Jersey. No one would have been able to find it. The Everglades are humongous. I'm sure they have quite a bit of quicksand. And so if he was dumped in, say, a spot of quicksand, no one's ever going to find his body. He's just sitting in the Everglades. And if he was just dumped on a solid spot in the Everglades, something like an alligator probably ate his remains. So there's no way you would find it. Now, the next one, as I mentioned at the end, was a 55-gallon oil drum at a toxic dump site in northeastern New Jersey. The, I don't I don't understand that, because, I mean, they could prove that if they looked through the drum, like, it's pretty obvious. If it's a toxic dump site, which means they're dumping stuff, they would find a body in one of the oil drums or toxic waste drums, and there's no reason. It's way too risky for someone to dump a body in one of those than it would be to, say, I don't know, like, bury it in the Everglades or just bury it in general. For all we know, he could just be buried at a random site somewhere in New Jersey or anywhere around the country because he was ruffling too many feathers about what he was doing with the International Brotherhood of Teamsters. So, I mean, by the way, International Brotherhood of Teamsters is like the coolest name ever. I, I, if I were to create a union and that name weren't already taken, I would love that name. It's just, it's cool. And everyone remembers Jimmy Hoffa as a infamous union leader, but also as having ties to organized crime, as we found out with all of those very Italian-sounding names. And the re- reason I mentioned the Sheeran guy is that his nickname was The Irishman, and there was a movie that came out recently called The Irishman, and it was this big thing, and it had something to do with Jimmy Hoffa, and I'm sure a lot of stuff popped up when they came out with that movie about where Jimmy Hoffa's buried, or whatever, but it's just, it's unnecessary, because we're, for as far as I think I'm concerned, I believe that they're, we're never going to find out where he's buried, because the mob is really good at covering stuff up, and they would be smart enough to, like, Jimmy Hoffa was rather famous or infamous, depending on how you look at it, when he disappeared. So they would be smart enough to hide the body really well, because if someone finds it, well, they're going to know who it is. They're not. It's not going to be a John Doe situation. It's going to be, hey, that's Jimmy Hoffa. And so they don't want to have it traced back to them, because then the people that came to the restaurant to quote-unquote mend ties or whatever, they would be pretty 
angry if someone killed him and it was traced back to them. But if they killed him, again, they don't want it traced back to them. So they would be intelligent enough in the organized crime community to take his body and bury it somewhere discreet. I mean, it's common sense. Well, uh, that's all for today. I hope you enjoyed our episode about Jimmy Hoffa. And I hope to see you next week on our episode about the Dancing Plague of 1558 and possibly another section in that episode about Amelia Earhart. Thank you.